All right, welcome to the NFC North Division Preview Podcast. I'm Drew DeLuca, Editor-in-Chief of QB List, and I'm very excited to welcome a special guest to the show today, Mr. Jake Trowbridge of Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life. Welcome, Jake. How are things going? Well, tell us uh, what you've been up to this offseason. Fantastic. Things are going phenomenal here, and I gotta say, they're going uh, as good as they can be for all of the training camp bad news that we've been getting lately. I've been trying not to dwell on that too much. Uh, but other than that, no, things are going phenomenal here. Uh, have you been keeping busy this offseason, just trying to keep up with everything? Yeah, same. You know, when I'm keep trying to keep up with my kids is part of it, but then on top of the camp news on top of it. So yeah, the, we've uh, Lions, we are going to talk about them in a little bit. Jamison Williams is, so he stinks one day and today he had a really good day, according to Tim Twentyman, the senior writer for the Lions. So you know the the soap opera, you know, as the world turns, and uh, that's that's always that's the that's the way of it in the this time of year. So uh, we're basically trying to avoid injuries. I think that's the name of the game in training camp. So I'm trying to stay level uh, outside of that. So let's go ahead and get right into things then with the, the Chicago Bears. Uh, we're notable additions. We have uh, Devon, We have Dante Foreman, a free agent signing, and of course DJ Moore acquired via trade uh, in that deal for the number one overall pick in the draft with the Panthers. Uh, Roshan Johnson was taken in round four by Texas or from Texas and Tyler Scott taken around four from Cincinnati and uh, notable departures. Uh, they lost, uh, David Montgomery to the, uh, division rival Detroit lions, no coaching changes of significance. Um, so let's get right into the big question here that we've got for the bears. Uh, and that is Justin Fields. Uh, so last year he finished as the quarterback five in fantasy points per game in spite of his team's. Uh, running fewer plays than just about any other team in the last 30 years. So what should we expect from Fields in 2023 in terms of a fantasy finish? You got to imagine that this is at least hopefully close to the situations that we've seen the last couple of years with Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, where, right, they get this wide receiver, this at least borderline alpha or elite wide receiver gets thrown into the mix, and it helps bolster this guy is a passer where I am a little bit confused with Justin Fields is how much of that is going to take away from what he did so brilliantly for fantasy last year, which was run. He gave you so many rushing yards. It's absurd. And obviously that's not always sustainable. We don't always want our quarterbacks to do that, but there is a fine line for me of are you going to try to force it to DJ Moore now just because he's your new uh, buddy on the team? Uh, and, it, and is that going to take away then from some of your fantasy value? Ultimately, I don't think it's going to uh, hurt him. I do not think that DJ Moore could possibly hurt him. And I think uh, moving uh, Darnell Mooney over to the appropriate number two receiver spot might be an even more hidden boost towards Justin Fields' fantasy value. Um, I really do think him replicating what he did last year is within the realm of possibility. That's why he's being drafted so high. And he's one of, you know, maybe six guys who have legitimate QB1 upside being the QB1. It's a little bit more of a stretch to get him there than some other guys, but I think it's it's a possibility. Sure, yeah. I, I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, we, we talked about his rushing ability. So he was pretty close, I think, with less than 100 yards away from, if I remember correctly, from the all-time uh, single-season uh, rushing record by a quarterback. 
uh, and he missed two games. So uh, I think uh, I'm keeping that in mind, the fact that we talked about how where he was from a points per game perspective, uh, that he was up there in the top five. So that's, you know, that's that's without DJ Moore. That's without, um, you know, and we said you mentioned Mooney uh, kind of being miscast last year. He was also hurt, too. So you bring in, uh, you know, him back healthy. You've got DJ Moore now. Cole Komet's another year older and wiser and more experienced. And, if, you know, there's signs of Clay, uh, Chase Claypool actually having a pulse, according to some camp reports. I don't get ahead of ourselves or anything, but but uh, there, there are definitely some <laughs> some reasons for optimism for a more balanced, uh, you know, pass run ratio to, that would benefit him as a passer and, you know, really uh, kind of facilitate his growth in the next step way. So some people, I think, make a comparison to Hertz, Jason, uh, Jalen Hurts and, AJ Brown joining the Eagles and how that kind of helped transform them. I don't think that we're looking at that same kind of leap here per se, but I would not put out uh, put a significant step um, out of the range of possibilities from from fields. And I agree. I think he does have that QB one upside. So uh, things looks like we're at light of like minds there. So we'll move on to another division rival of your Green Bay Packers, Jake, and that's the Detroit Lions. Some notable additions, of course, we just mentioned David Montgomery coming over from the Bears. They brought back Marvin Jones. Good to see him still kicking around and finding work. Uh, steady, uh, steady as they get as far as veterans go. Definitely up there in age now. He's, what, 33, 34. So we're not quite sure we can expect much from him. Uh, and I wouldn't call him an addition, but Jane, Jameson Williams is back healthy. So he was coming off a major, major injury last year as a first as a first-round draft pick. He returns uh, fully healthy this year. I think he had two touches last year. Both of them went for over 40 yards, so which is pretty exciting uh, that uh, to see what he can do. But he, uh, unfortunately, um, can't get out of his own way. <laughs> he's he's going to start the season uh, uh, somewhere else because he's got a six-game suspension looming. So that said, they, in the draft, they added Jameer Gibbs, running back from Alabama in the first round. Uh, Sam Laporta, the talented tight end from Iowa. Hendon Hooker, quarterback from Tennessee. Speaking of knee injury, he's coming off a pretty gruesome one of his own. And then in the sixth round, they added Antoine Green from UNC. They did lose Jamal Williams, the uh, NFL's rushing touchdown leader last year. And uh, Jamar, uh, excuse me, DJ Chark also is gone uh, now with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, no coaching changes of significance here to, to break down. So the big question, I guess, we're looking at for the Detroit Lions is what can we expect from the Lions backfield this year? And would you prefer uh, Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery at ADP where they're currently going in drafts? Yeah, it's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be pretty different uh, this year. You know, Jamal Williams, he's not just the leading touchdown scorer from last year. He's also the heart and soul of the locker room and the most entertaining interview that you're likely to see. So hopefully the New Orleans Saints at least appreciate what they have in him from that <laughs> perspective. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot different. You know, as soon as the, the move from Jamal Williams to David Montgomery happened, before the rookie draft, I really was invested in David Montgomery. Him coming over from the Bears, he was always kind of underrated. Uh, not like he's this massive world-beating talent, but he always went above and beyond, I think, what everybody's expectations were. And I did value him as having more of a pass-catching role than Jamal Williams and being able to maintain a certain level of work horsiness right like Jamal Williams <laughs> yeah. had one season and it was last season where he was actually a workhorse every other season he was more of a complimentary guy more of at least a split guy 
David Montgomery has done that multiple times. He's been the workhorse. Then they go ahead and draft Gibbs, and it kind of threw my world into a tailspin. Now I'm trying to block out all of the negative perceptions I have from when DeAndre Swift was there. I'm like, I know a lot of that was injuries, but he just never lived up to expectations for me. And so I'm trying to not put those negative connotations onto the young guy, onto Jameer Gibbs. And we've heard in camp already, they're lining him up everywhere. So even when David Montgomery's on the field, they're lining him up to run routes. I feel like we hear that about a lot of players, though, in a lot of off seasons. So I'm trying not to get too hyped up about that. But I do think if he is the healthy version of DeAndre Swift, that they can actually trust to put out on the field a lot and not have to maybe monitor his workload so much, that Gibbs could be a pretty phenomenal player. I just struggle with the ADP gap. You know, Jameer Gibbs is what, I don't know, running back 12 or something like that. David Montgomery way further down the list, even if he doesn't, lead the league in rushing touchdowns, which he probably will not. I think that his value is such that I'm really targeting him along with this whole group of round five through round eight running backs in my drafts. Those are the guys that I'm typically going after. So I will probably venture towards him. Right. That makes lots of sense. Yeah. So I mean, Montgomery kind of will step into that role. He's coming. He was pretty productive in Chicago, you know, and now he's, behind a much better offensive line than what he had in Chicago as well. So you add all those things up. And I, I really think that's a, a kind of a smash situation for the incoming uh, David Montgomery. And so I, I agree. I think, uh, I think from an ADP perspective, I think he's really the guy that I'm targeting. I, I'm excited about Gibbs. I think in full PPR, I might be you know, looking at things a little differently. And if he slips, I'm all over him. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with your take there. So that's great. Um, the, Next up on our list, we have your beloved Green Bay Packers. So uh, unfortunately, as you are well aware, there was uh, no free agent really signing of significance, at least on the offensive side of the ball. There was some notable departure. I didn't even put them on the list because I don't want to uh, you know, make you sad. But uh, we do, of course, know less that Aaron Rodgers is no longer there. <laughs> we lost uh, you know, Alan Lazard is gone for, to, the, uh, to the Jets as well. Uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, Robert, Robert Tonyan is now with the Bears. Uh, and then Mercedes Lewis, I think, is still looking for work. Uh, and those don't seem like notable people, but they are the two tight ends with the high snap share uh, that the Packers had out there in 2022. So they did add a ton of people in the draft, though. Jake, uh, Luke Musgrave of Oregon State in round two, along with Jaden Reed, the wide receiver, wide receiver from Michigan State. And Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State, another tight end in the third. That was a little bit of a head-scratcher to see two uh, tight ends getting day two uh, draft capital. Um, Sean Clifford from Penn State in the fifth round. Dontavian Wicks from Virginia Tech. Uh, Anders Carlson, the kicker from Auburn in the sixth. Lou Nichols from Central Michigan in the seventh, the running back. And wide receiver Grant DeBose from Charlotte. So um, there's a lot to get to uh, unpack with those players. We'll start with the really big pressing question in Green Bay, and is that is, should we be in? or out on Jordan Love in 2023 and why? <laughs> well, I have to be in on Jordan Love because my sanity demands it. But if everybody else needs to be in on him, largely depends on whether you think that a first-round draft pick sitting behind a multiple-time MVP for three years and learning should jump in and be ready to go right away. 
I maintain any time that you're practicing under, you know, an expert in their field for that amount of time, you should be. This is a zero excuses situation. Like you're not a rookie. You are coming in and you should be able to command this offense. Young as it might be. You talked about all the departures. Like this is an incredibly young offense, uh, especially with their skills uh, position players. So I get it. There can be growing pains with that, but I'm I'm in on him as much as his ADP demands that I be because he's undrafted in one quarterback league. Certainly, it's like qu- quarterback twenty six yeah. or something is his current ADP. Yeah, again, if if we believe in the weapons that they drafted, and if we believe in the couple of guys from last year, you know, in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs taking a big step forward, then I think we should mm-hmm. be in on him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit ahead. I think of consensus on, on Jordan Love. I think he's QB 26. You mentioned, um, I have him around QB 19. So I'm not, I'm, and I'm not basically uh, endorsing him as a guy that I'm going to start in traditional one quarterback leads or probably even roster. Um, but in Superflex two QB leagues, to me, he's got some value. I actually took him as my QB two in the Scott fishbowl. Um, and then pairing him with a uh, Christian Watson, um, so I'm kind of happy with how that turned out. So uh, I, I do agree with the rationale. And one thing that kind of spoke to me uh, that the Packers did was uh, absolutely nothing in terms of bringing in another quarterback. So we see the uh, Reds, the uh, excuse me, the Washington Commanders brought in Jacoby Brissett as a kind of a kill switch or safety net for Sam Howell. We see Taylor Heineke, therefore, going over to Atlanta, uh, you know, being around in case Desmond Ritter's not panning out. Uh, no such move by the Green Bay Packers, which kind of speaks volumes for the level of confidence they have in him. So um, if if it's good enough for them, then he's good enough for me. So that's kind of where I stand on him. So uh, I don't think you need to be ashamed of your unbridled uh, bullishness for, <laughs> for Jordan Love just because you're a Packers fan. I think there's there's definitely reason for optimism there. So And, and uh, we'll see with that defense. It's quite possibly some uh, some negative game scripts from a fantasy perspective. It might be more productive than we think. So. Um, now we've got a bonus uh, two-part question for you in honor of uh, your green bayness. And that is one, uh, we talked before about the Packers letting those two tight ends walk this year in Tanya and Lewis. And they were the two, like we said, uh, tight ends with the highest snap shares in 2022. So how soon can we expect meaningful fantasy contributions from uh, Lukey, uh, Lukey Musgrave, who you got from Oregon State in the, in the uh, second round? I don't think either of these guys should be drafted in your your redraft leagues, but I do think that one of them, and I do think it's only one of them, is probably <laughs> going to have some midseason value for you. Um, it just, if I had to guess, it's going to be Luke Musgrave, right? He has a higher draft capital. It seems like as a prospect, his profile seems to fit that of fantasy enthusiasts a little bit more than Tucker Craft. Tucker Craft's your guy if you want, uh, you know, like to bet on somebody chugging a beer faster, that's going to be Tucker Craft. But if you're going to look for the guy who's going to score the most fantasy points, that's probably going to be Luke Musgrave. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not drafting either of them. I'm hopeful that once we get towards the back end of the season, though, they'll kind of grow into that because there's tons of opportunity. Like you said, there's no other tight ends there to get in the way. All right. Um, second part uh, for you, the Packers drafted, uh, we said, seven other offensive rookies, which is um, a, a ton. Uh, so which of those guys uh, should be on our radar as the season progresses? Anyone outside of those two tight ends we should be keeping our eyes on? I've said this uh, probably too many times this offseason, but Jaden Reed mm-hmm. 
<laughs> very well could lead the wide receiving core in touches by the end of this thing. And it wouldn't shock me. I'm not planning on it, but it absolutely would not shock me. Um, I've already seen in training camp that they're really wanting to utilize him. I think the way that they planned to utilize Amari Rogers a couple of years back, and that did not pan out, obviously. Um, but it is that mix. Like Debo Samuel gets thrown around way too often as a comp. He's not that, but maybe more like Curtis Samuel. I think that's what they want to use him like. It's like yeah. Curtis Samuel. And if that's the case, you know, between the rushing uh, attempts, which I think this team is just going to run a ton, and he'll probably get some of those jet sweeps, some of the motion stuff, I could see him being pretty integral to this offense when everything's said and done. All right. Um, yeah, the good name to keep our eyes on. Minnesota Vikings move on to uh, another team that uh, – that you probably love love to hate as a Viking as a uh, Packers fan there. So, <laughs> notable additions. Um, they they didn't exactly outdo you uh, very much there uh, as a Packers fan with uh, adding just J, uh, Josh Oliver. They did give him a, give him a pretty good amount of money though. Um, so he joins uh, that tight end room, um, uh, of course, with uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, you know, being he's going to obviously eat up most of those. Uh, targets i would think the tight end position so but welcome josh oliver to minnesota so uh, also joining him in the in the locker room this year are jordan addison from usc first round rookie uh jaron hall the quarterback from byu taken in the fifth and Dwayne mcbride from uab uh, a little noise about him in the in the uh otas and training camp here seventh round draft pick um big bruiser uh offers little to nothing in the passing game uh but man he uh runs through and over people uh, for sure. So t- notable departures, tight end Irv Smith Jr. Um, and he's now a Cincinnati Bengal and Adam Thielen, who uh, f- seemed like he was there forever, is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. So uh, as far as coaching changes, they're the only NFC North team that had a change at head coach, offense coordinator or defensive coordinator. They now welcome Brian Flores uh, to captain the, uh, the defense. So he was the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, four time Super Bowl champion as an assistant with Bill Belichick's uh, New England Patriots. And his defense has finished in the top 10 in takeaways in his last two seasons in Miami. So he kind of lifts the profile of that other entire defensive unit a bit. I think that should make life a little bit tougher on those op- opposing NFC North offenses. So um, their defense was nothing spectacular last year, but it, it certainly helps to have a guy of his uh, caliber and character uh, leading the way on that side of the ball. So, uh, but we're more of an offense-focused kind of a business here in fantasy football for the most part. Um, so let's get back to the offense here. We're making for some lost time. We don't really talk about tight ends on this show very much because it's a family show. And we're also generally more enamored with running backs and wide receivers like uh, most red-blooded fantasy football fanatics. Now, TJ Hawkinson was the tight end three in fantasy points per game after being traded to the Minnesota Vikings last year, which is kind of astounding to me that he stepped right into a brand new offense and just absolutely dominated despite the presence of a Justin Jefferson, a noted target hog, uh, and the 101, of course, in any redraft in PPR. So does the addition of Jordan Addison help or hurt Hawkinson's chances of finishing as a top three tight end this season? And I... Yeah, I, I really wanted to believe Hawkinson, because it was so impressive, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson moving over midseason and, and just not missing a beat. Like, that's super impressive. I would love to see that continue. <laughs> but I just felt like Kirk Cousins was really missing the old Adam Thielen. Not the old in age Adam Thielen, but like <laughs> the older, early season Adam Thielen. He really was missing him last year. 
He was so used to having him as a red zone guy, as a short yardage guaranteed first down guy. We only got little glimpses of that. I think that Jordan Addison is leagues above Adam Thielen at this stage in their careers. So I do think that he's going to command a lot more targets than Adam Thielen did. I still think TJ Hawkinson's going to be fine. I don't think he's just going to, you know, fall off the face of the earth, go the way of Austin Hooper or something like that. But I do think that he will have, you know, some downturn in his production. All right. Sorry, excuse me as I pour some out for uh, Austin Hooper there. Um, so is it a rising tides <laughs> lift all boats scenario here, or will a disproportionate number of targets find their way into the hands of that rookie receiver? I think you kind of answered that for the most part. So let's get right into our fades and targets and talk about from the um, NFC North here, who from this division can we not get enough of at their current ADP? And I'll still throw a quarterback to you, Jake. Who, uh, who are you looking at um, uh, at the quarterback position from the NFC North? I'm looking at this guy that happened to finish as a top 10 quarterback last season, and it's like nobody cares. Uh, it's Jared Goff. He it gets basically the same crew coming back, again, save for uh, Jamal Williams. Um, and uh, it's just interesting that his ADP is, I think, QB 17, QB 18, the last that I checked here. So he's basically undrafted in your one quarterback leagues. He's my ideal late round quarterback candidate right now. That's who I want to scoop up if I'm choosing to punt the position, which I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Jamison Williams being out for six games, I'm not worried about that because last year he didn't have him barely at all. Uh, and the little glimpses that we got were phenomenal. So midway through the season, when he does come back, if he's struggling whatsoever, he should get a pretty nice lift from that. But as long as he has Amon Ra St. Brown, honestly, I think he's going to be just fine. I'm not saying he's going to finish as the QB 10 again, but the fact that he has that in his range of outcomes, I think pretty easily, and he's being basically undrafted, it's a little crazy, so I'm targeting him quite a bit. I wanted to put Jordan Love in this spot, <laughs> but even me, I don't know that I'm going to be uh, scooping him up in redraft. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I think it's a great take. I think Goff is somebody that really can start in just about any league, really, of any uh, unless you're like in a 16 league or something like that. But uh, but he's definitely somebody uh, that you should be targeting late and stacking uh, stacking your roster with other positions. So for the running back position, I'm going to stay with the Lions. I'm going with that David Montgomery. We talked a little bit about him before. Um, he's got a big offensive line upgrade, as we talked about, uh, coming from the Bears to the Lions, and steps right into that role that Jamal Williams had, who, of course, as we said, led the league in touchdowns and also quality interviews. So uh, I'm not sure if he can hold up in the latter end, but I, I do like his chances of performing at a high level, especially in short yarded situations. So I think uh, Montgomery, to me, especially in, in half point, is uh, definitely a target of mine. So. Wide receiver, I'm going with DJ Moore. Now, I'm confident that Fields takes a step. I also believe that the Bears are not are going to throw uh, more this year, but they also kind of have to after a guy, hitting a guy like Moore. I think they'll be far more effective and efficient when they do. Uh, like we said, they got Mooney back. Uh, Chase uh, Claypool is showing signs of an actual pulse in camp, so defenses are going to have to pay attention to that whole field, and even if they're bottom third instead of dead last in pass volume and run pass ratio, that's enough for – a guy like DJ Moore to pop this year. He's got trem- uh, tremendous talent. Um, and uh, I think he's got wide receiver one upside, not the wide receiver one, but certainly a wide receiver one top 12. Fall breaks right for sure. 
and uh, wide receiver two at worst. So uh, that's kind of where he's being drafted. And so I think that he's uh, at least going to return value uh, of what you expected from him. But I think there's a, a, a pretty solid chance that he can definitely far outperform his draft position. And I think that's kind of the name of the game, what you're looking for in a, tar- in a target. So uh, we'll throw it to you, Jake, for tight end. Who are you targeting at tight end uh, in uh, from the a- uh, NFC North? Well, tight end's kind of gross in the NFC North. Admittedly, there's nobody that jumps out and is like, I got to get that guy. Um, I do think it's interesting somebody like Sam Laporta, a rookie for the Detroit Lions, but I didn't want to go too Lions heavy here either. So by default, almost, I'm going with Cole Komet. Cole Komet is just on the fringe of being drafted um, in your typical leagues. I think he's tight end 12 at the moment in ADP. He got a massive contract. So say what you will about the guy. And I know he's had some touchdown woes in the past. Uh, I think we all remember that season where he scored zero. Uh, But don't (laughs) hold that over him this year. I do think that DJ Moore is an advantage for the entire offense. Cole Komet should benefit in the way of having more scoring opportunities because of that. Because they will probably throw more. I'm not excited about Cole Komet. But I do think that at his ADP, I'd rather have him have him over a guy like Dalton Schultz and they're going basically back to back in drafts. So give me Komet. Mm-hmm. I, I agree hundred percent. So I like Komet a lot. He's got all the, he's the quality prospect profile as well. Uh, um, and uh, it takes tight ends a little bit of time to kind of get their feet underneath him in the NFL. Um, but he definitely really came on last year too. He, uh, he bounced back in a big way from that zero touchdown season. I think he caught what seven or so last year at least. So he had a, he definitely went the other way, and I, I like his chances of uh, keeping that north of a half dozen, or at least in that ballpark at a minimum. And I think he could be uh, end up emerge as the secondary target in that offense, which is which is huge, if, especially if we're expecting to pass more often uh, and run more plays as a result of by default of a more efficient offense, which is uh, what you're looking for there. So uh, the all fade team now, who from this division are we passing on and letting our league mates draft at ADP? Uh, I'll start off with quarterback. I kind of like all these guys, so this was really hard for me, uh, either because of their ADP and where they're going. You talked about golf already. Um, you, I like Fields, too. I know he's going a lot earlier than some people like taking quarterbacks, but considering I, he has that wide receiver one upside and he's typically going off the board as like your sixth, seventh, or even eighth quarterback, um, that's that, that's attractive to me. So um, I think it kind of has to be your guy, uh, Jordan Love, uh, for me as a fade, unfortunately, um, even though I do uh, like him where he's going, just compared to the rest of the people here, Goff, Cousins, or players that are, you know, going to be taken super late and they're going to offer, you know, top 10, top 12 quarterback upside there. Uh, Fields is there also. And Love just is more of a projection than any of the other three guys. So they've proven they can contribute from a fantasy perspective. And unfortunately, Love does not offer uh, a rushing floor really of any kind, That especially not compared to the likes of uh, Fields. So um, I, since I have to fade one, it's probably going to be him. Doesn't mean I don't care for him or like him. It just means he's just the low man on this t- particular totem pole. So uh, running back, I'll take that one also and the kick you the last two, Jake. Uh, I temp- I'm tempted to join the chorus here who are suddenly down on uh, Alexander Madison after clamoring for him. Uh, you should draft him in round seven. You should draft him in round eight. The heck with Dalvin Cook. This guy's good. Uh, and now that he's got the gig, it's nobody wants him anymore. So <laughs> that's the uh, take amongst a lot of the analysts lately. So it's, it's baffling to me. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, I still think he's going to return value. Um, 
and his, I think his ADP is kind of a bit of a bit of a roller coaster, but it's kind of settled back down to where I think he's a value again. So I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert. Um, uh, he's still being drafted by many kind of based on what we thought he could be, but the signing of Dante Foreman, uh, who had over 900 yards rushing last year with the Panthers. Uh, and then you have the addition of, uh, Roshan Johnson, the rookie from Texas, uh, tells me that Chicago is kind of pardon the pun bearish on Khalil Herbert, uh, much more so than many in fantasy circles are. So I kind of feel it's a little bit of a cop out, but, uh, I'm looking through this, this list of running backs and there's not a whole lot of people that I really love to fade. We talked Gibbs and Montgomery, um, Aaron Jones is solid and he's not exactly being drafted too high. Uh, Madison. And like I said, we already talked about him and I guess AJ Dillon was the only guy that could other potentially fade there from that with, with the profile of the offense potentially going down after, um, Rogers being there, but they should run enough where he's going to get enough carries where I'm still comfortable taking him where he's going. So that being said, let's turn wide receiver over to you, Jake, who are you fading from this division and passing on and letting your league mates, uh, take him and you're just kind of kicking back and smiling and drinking your beer. People aren't going to expect this. People don't want to hear this from a Packers Homer, but Christian Watson at his ADP, I, it's more because I don't understand the gulf between Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs or even Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. To me, these guys should be going much closer together in drafts than they are. And they're not Christian Watson is like a fifth round pick at this point. Uh, it's just to me because of all the touchdowns that he had last season. And I get it. That's attractive. And he's a deep ball guy, but Romeo Dobbs looks to be maybe the more trustworthy old reliable uh, kind of a James Jones type of uh, guy, if you're into the old Packers receivers. Um, and I would just much rather kind of wait on that position on that team when I have that many question marks. So it's not that I don't believe in Christian Watson and his talent. It's more that I would rather wait for a guy like Dobbs or again, even Jaden Reed, who I think is going to be a big time contributor. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I do like Christian Watson a lot. I'm, I'm high on him. But I'm, the thing about him, though, is he's in a tier of, of a size in which he's usually going towards the top of that tier. So from a value perspective, it kind of feels like you can kind of wait, uh, grab another player to another position. Um, there's some running backs that are slipping in that area of the draft that are pretty attractive as well. Uh, and then maybe kind of see who's kicking around, you know, around two later. And sometimes he slips and falls and might be a great value pick, but, but I, I love that take. So let's talk now about tight ends. Uh, who are you uh, fading at tight end in this, in this division? Kind of by default, because there's nobody that has really a big uh, ADP besides TJ Hawkinson. And we talked before about the Jordan Addison signing and what that's going to do to his target share. It's just enough for me to say tight end three is too high. There is a cluster of tight ends. You know, once you get past Travis Kelsey, and some might argue even Mark Andrews being the respective one and two, maybe even one A and one B in some people's minds, then Hawkinson. It just doesn't feel right for me to draft Hawkinson when there's a guy like Darren Waller that's going much later that I would much rather have because I feel like the targets could be very comparable. I believe in the talent of a guy like that. And so it's more about just, I'm not comfortable at tight end three. I'd either get the last of this tier of tight ends. There's probably like four in this tier and he's at the top of it. Or I'll just punt the position and take some later guys. Yeah, uh, I'm saying that kind of mentality we talked about with the tier and the tier break and where those guys are falling in in, res in respect to that. So, yeah, 
let's move on to our two-minute drill then. Um, so kind of over-under season win totals. Uh, and this is uh, from Odds Shark as of just the other day. Um, so Chicago – oh, I'm sorry. This is from FanDuel as of the other day. So Chicago, uh, seven and a half. Uh, are you over or under on the Bears at seven and a half? Under for everybody besides the Packers. I'm sticking to my uh, homegrown roots here. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. I will not be that Packers fan. I do think that seven and a half is is actually a pretty reasonable bar for them to clear. I think they kind of got more unlucky last year. So um, I'll take the over, not saying extreme over, but I'll take the over. Yeah, my notes were um, team fields over. Eight and nine, here we come. So <laughs> I think it's possible. And, and you know what? I think I think they're I think they're at least an eight and nine team. I like the chances of them finishing eight and nine better than I do the chances of them finishing seven and ten. Um, and it's not it's not inconceivable that they could end up with a winning record. So um, you know they especially if Fields takes that leap that uh, like as I think he will. So let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, so what do you got there for the Detroit Lions? The line there is nine and a half, which is staggering to me because I cannot remember in my lifetime. And I've had quite a few trips around the sun. I cannot remember a time where the Detroit Lions were the betting favorites to win the NFC North. But here we are in 20 year of our Lord, 2023. What do you think, uh, Jake? <laughs> nine and a half for Detroit. It is historical. This is momentous. So soak it in, Lions fans. Uh, I do think this is a team that lost out just enough close games last year and showed the grit that people love. That's probably the excuse for the nine and a half line. It's kind of a tough line for me. It's not obvious either direction. Um, I will say I think that they are sneaky to maybe win the division this year. Well, not that sneaky, according to FanDuel. But so I will barely (laughs) take the over here as well. All right, yeah, I, I can see. I'm not going to find fault with anyone who, for the same rationale, they were they were a team that's uh, scratched and clawed their way through a lot of games last year, and they dropped some really close ones and things that just kind of slip right out of their paws. Uh, you know, I, I I can see them being a 10 win team, but I'm going to be that guy. I know it's trendy to kind of hop on the Lions bandwagon this year, but I'm going to be that guy and take the under here. Uh, I think that I think nine and eight. I think for the Lions would be something that we could look back and say, yeah, that's a pretty solid season for Lions. They haven't had a winning uh, a winning team in Detroit in a long time, and that would be the under. Uh, so to me, I think that's that's kind of um, where my head is on them. I think that um, I, I think it's more likely that they go nine and eight than it is that they go uh, ten and seven or better. So can they go ten and seven or better and make me eat my words? They absolutely can. I. I, we talked about Goff. He's a legitimate NFL quarterback. We talked about some of the the uh, the, um, the talent they have on the offensive side of the ball, um, and their line's pretty solid as well. So I can see why they're nine and a half, uh, but I'm, I'll, I'm, I'm going under. So that brings us to your Green Bay Packers. So seven and a half. So talk to me, Jake, about this line for your pack. Well, this is a season without expectations for me, which is kind of a weird place to be as a Packer fan. I don't have bad expectations. I just have no expectations. Um, But I'm going to, once again, I think, surprise people as a homer, and I'm going to take the under here. And I don't even do it because of the offense. I do it because of not even the defense, the defensive coordinator. I blame (laughs) 
him so much for so many of the woes that we've seen the last two seasons in Green Bay. I think they have the talent on defense, but that's just not getting it done. He's not getting it done. And I think that uh, they're not going to be able to hold themselves up in any shootouts. Uh, They're not going to be that good offensively. So, um, hey, here's to a 2024 high draft pick for the pack. I'm taking on (laughs) it. All right, yeah. I'm with you on that one. So uh, there's just too much uncertainty uh, for me to – fall in love with where they're going there. Um, I don't love what's happening defensively either. So seven and a half, I know that's not exactly a super high line, but um, I, I can see this going south uh, pretty easily, unfortunately. Um, I think the division's pretty strong. Um, they have a, a kind of middle-of-the-road schedule from what I gather, um, whereas the I think the Lions actually have a pretty easy one. I think it was – I looked at a – was a, a sharp uh, football analysis. They did, they did a uh, – uh, take on uh, based on Vegas forecasted win totals. They looked at the schedules and it t- comes out that the Packers are the 14th strongest. So it's right middle of the road. So if they had a favorable schedule, um, kind of like what the bears have where they're the sixth easiest, according to, to that, according to uh, Vegas forecasted win totals, then I might have a different tune. Um, but just, just too much uncertainty for me. I'm, I'm going to take the under. So Minnesota now they um, unfortunately do not, have uh, a very easy schedule. However, I think that's kind of balanced out a little bit by uh, the addition of Flores on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so only seven teams have a tougher schedule, according to the Vegas forecast of win totals, than the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I know the team won 13 games last year, though, uh, and I know a lot of people thought they were a lucky team in a lot of ways. Uh, but do I think they're seven games worse than last year, which is what we'd have to basically assert for um, you know, going under on, um, or at least five games worse than uh, before going under on eight and a half. Do I think that they're that, that, that much worse than last year? No, I don't. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel uh, super confident in taking the over on Minnesota at eight and a half, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I think with, I think Kirk cousins and that offense is going to be good enough to kind of buoy them through a lot of games. And I think the defense should be better, uh, hopefully when they're under some better leadership this year. So uh, what about you? What's your take on, on the Vikings at eight and a half? Uh, it, it did kind of feel like the Vikings should have probably had a higher line. It, it feels like it is a little weird that the Lions have the highest line out of this group, I will say. But mm-hmm. um, the Vikings, it wasn't even just last year that they were kind of perceived to be lucky. Like the year before... They had three overtime games. It just, this team just cannot win very proactively. Um, <laughs> and in 2021, they were eight and nine. Um, I hear what you're saying about Flores, and I definitely do think that it helps them. It's just maybe it's just me not wanting to give the only under of the group to the Packers because that would feel wrong. But I am going to give the under um, again, just barely to the Vikings here. All right. Okay. Um, so we have four downs here with you as our, our guest. I want to just ask you a couple quick questions. So when did you start playing fantasy football? And who do you recall being a star on your very first squad? I don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015, my first league, but I recall having T.Y. Hilton as my first draft pick. Uh, and I, I remember loving it. Uh, and this was, this was like a league with strangers. I was trying to get mm-hmm. into, uh, my friend's home league and I didn't play fantasy football, but they wouldn't shut up about it. So I just wanted to participate so I could take, 
uh, active participation in those conversations. But I got kind of like a trial run the year before that, just playing in like a a Yahoo league with strangers. I remember Hilton and he did good things. Yeah. Tetris young blood Hilton, right? That's, that's what's uh that was in one of my uh, home leagues. Uh, when somebody asked, uh, what, what, what did TY stand for? And, uh, uh, somebody else fed, fed, uh, Tetris young blood. That's what it stands for. It's like, really? Well, okay. And so, and of course we're just trying to, to choke on our beers and laughing. And then, so that ended up being that, that, that individual's team name still is to this day. So they are Tetris young blood in our league. So, <laughs> so Love que- question two. Yeah. Qu- question two. Timely question here, since we're currently hiring staff writers at the QB list. So there's details on that for any listeners who are interested. But how how long have you produced fantasy football content and how did you get your start? Yeah, listeners, definitely go do that, by the way. Um, it's amazing. And it, even if you don't feel like you're good enough uh, to do it, trust me, you're better than I was when I started. Um, I started probably just a couple of short years after. I think around 2017, I started writing um, very small potatoes, online publications, more like listicles, like the clickbaity, like 15 things you wouldn't believe about these wide receivers, <laughs> like that kind of garbage. Um, and then I kind of shifted out a little bit um, into more just straightforward written content, you know, a million waiver wire articles, and then shifted over into video here the last couple of years. Very cool. Awesome. So do you have any passion product projects or uh, charities of choice that you want to talk about or promote? Oh, man. Um, Everybody, if you haven't uh, donated to Fantasy Cares yet, by the way, even if you're not playing in the Scott Fish Bowl, please do. I just it's so amazing to see what Scott Fish and company do with all of the uh, donations when it comes time for Christmas and they go out and they buy the gifts for the kids who need them. Um, And it's it's the most heartwarming thing that you could possibly see. So please do uh, if you're again. Even if you're not playing, that's also a good way to kind of dip your toes in if you're interested in Scott Fishbowl for next year. Uh, I know that they do pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, um, and plug time, where, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me on uh, social media, whatever it's called now, but you can find me at Jake Trowbridge on, you know the one, you know the thing I'm talking about. Um, you can also find me, I co-host a, a podcast called Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football. Uh, also a contributor for Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life. You can see my videos over there. Uh, it's at MB Fantasy Life on Twitter. Very cool. All right. So that'll do it for the NFC North. So stay tuned for the next episode in our division preview series in the coming days. And until then, uh, you can find us on X or Twitter or Exeter or whatever it's calling itself these days. So he's at Jake Trowbridge. I am at Drew Delaware. And, uh, you, the, of course, this is the QB list at the QB list, uh, and look for our sit start and what we saw series on QBList.com, also on Reddit via the fantasy football subreddit. Once the season starts, we're actually going to have a, what we saw dropping, uh, later this week after the hall of fame game in mere hours, which is pretty awesome. So, uh, as always, uh, we're also available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.